Hey, what's going on, everyone? Hello, and welcome to episode 58 of the Ford Focus Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Party, and today we're going to recap the entire week seven slate of games before previewing week eight's Thursday night football matchup between the Ravens and the Buccaneers. So let's get on into it. All right, so starting things off with the Giants at the Jaguars. Giants beating the Jags. 23 to 17 um, got both those predictions right I picked the Jag or the Giants to cover and win uh, the Giants they still look great Jones is playing pretty amazingly despite not having the best receivers he's using his legs to supplement the fact that he has nowhere to go with the ball and then Barkley has been phenomenal all season playing like a top three back this offensive line they played great too allowing like almost no pressure other than from Phillips who came in really for Neil the um, rookie right tackle and then defensively, they're one of the best in the league. Jackson and Morrell are a surprisingly good duo at cornerback. McKinney and Love, they're pretty good at safety, like a solid duo. But honestly, I don't know why else this defense is doing so good. Like They only had 12 pressures as a team, gave up 8.1 yards per attempt to ETN, and somehow held the Jags to only 17 points. Um, just like really all in all-around impressive coaching performance. Like we, what Wink Martindale is doing is super underrated here because they could be a lot more talented of a team, and to be doing this with the amount of talent he has, like, watch out. Um, and then I think that goes without saying that the Jags really shot themselves in the foot though in this game. Um, they had the ETN fumble at the goal line, the missed opportunity on fourth down. They could have either kicked the field goal or converted um and they just don't really have anyone who can consistently win at outside receiver so after all this hype early on it's starting to look like the same old jaguars then we have the packers at the commanders um commanders actually winning this one 23 to 21 i was wrong i thought the packers would cover and win this packers offense though is just so one-dimensional they move the ball with screens and quick passes and once defenses learn how to stop them they they just don't have any counter punch that's the problem with this offense right now. Like, yeah, there's no great receiver, like, but like having a great receiver, they don't just need one to make the offense work, but to make it work when the other options are taken away. Because this offense can work on a very fine line with just running it through the running backs, tight ends, quick plays, whatever they're doing right now. But if they don't make a move for a serious receiver who can right the wrongs of the other parts of the offense they're at serious risk of missing the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers for the commanders it took the offense a minute to get going but once it did it didn't look that bad honestly Heineke was pretty terrible early on um I didn't watch this game live I I rewatched it after the fact but I have red zone on in the background as I watch one of the games live and I felt like every time Heineke threw a pass and it showed it on red zone it was hitting a green bay defender until he hit Gibson for that touchdown. Like it was every single time it showed the commanders game, it was Heineke almost only your pick. And I was like, oh my goodness. But then he started to heat up. He played more in the rhythm of the offense, really got things going, um, taking advantage of the fact that he has some special receivers out there in McLaurin and Samuel. The Packers defense definitely should be better though, specifically at linebacker. The corners played well for the most part, minus some plays where they just got beat by McLaurin and Samuel. Like that's just going to happen going against good um, 
wide receivers, you know. And the pass rush, they played pretty well throughout the game, especially Gary. He was tearing it up early on, but then I think he got injured because I wasn't seeing him as much later. And Inaugury was in a lot, who also made a pretty good impact for a late-round pick rookie. But Campbell and Walker are just bad. Like, they, they did not look good this game. Um, like, a linebacker, they can make a good play. Like, Campbell, he had a pick six and a TFL on Curtis Samuel. Like, he had a couple of nice, splashy plays. So, if you're just watching this, like, the highlights, you might be like, oh, Campbell had a pretty good game. But there were so many plays where both of them, they were just laid on the run, juked out, missing tackles, um, poor in coverage. There's a play where McLaurin was running, like, a drag on third down. And Campbell and Walker were just kind of, like, standing there, like, shifting t- a tiny bit within the direction of um, McLaurin, but they weren't covering anyone else. They weren't doing anything, just taking up space and making it look like that they were trying to cover him. I don't know. It was just a super weird play where they just kind of like let him run by and it was easier first down. Um, and later Campbell did the same thing against Curtis Samuel, like just kind of like drifted with him. Like obviously he was like doing the thing where you cover grass and not players. And he was like, okay, like this is my zone. Like, yeah, players running through it, but like, I'm going to stick to my zone. And because he did that, like the player was just wide open. Like I guess you want to stick to your zone and play the defense the way you're, I don't know, coach to, I guess this could be a coaching thing too. Now that I'm like kind of speaking it out loud, but I feel like it's more important to take the player away than just stand there in the middle of the defense where there's no other routes, you know? I don't know. Um, It's just frustrating to see two players who should be playing a lot better miss some pretty crucial plays in a two-point game. Like, if they they stepped it up and played a bit better, like, obviously, obviously you want the offense to look better for the Packers, but if Campbell and Walker just made a couple more plays, like, this could have really been the difference in the game. They moved the Lions at the Cowboys. Um... 6-24, 6-24, to Cowboys win. I picked that right. I had the Cowboys covering and winning. But, wow, like, what just happened to the Lions offense? Five total turnovers by them. Four by golf. Two picks, two fumbles. Amon Ra, he had to leave the game early with injuries. Made Cleef Raymond the number one. There just isn't enough talent on this team to consistently put up the numbers that they were early on. Like, I think it was just, it must be just a slew of bad defenses that they were facing that made their offense look really good. And now it's kind of like coming back down to earth. But there's also the fact that they're facing some really good defenses. Like, wow, this Cowboys defense, just insane. Sam Williams had a monster game, two sacks, including a strip sack. Parsons had a couple sacks himself um, and then picks by Lewis and Diggs. And then offensively, though, I think they definitely got to do better than this, um, especially going against a Cowboys or a Lions defense that hasn't been that good so far, to say the least. Um, Dak, he's definitely still getting worn back into this offense, but the ground game did look pretty good with the two-headed monster of Zeke and Pollard. Like, this is looking like Zeke's not back to what he was in, like, 2016, 17, but he's looking like a pretty good running back. And then Pollard, of course, has been a top 10 back this whole time, just limited touches. But if they got two top 15-ish backs, like, that's that's not bad. If Dak can fully return to form, this team could be just absolutely dangerous then we have the buccaneers at the panthers the panthers winning 21 to 3 um wow i picked the panthers to cover but i did not think that they would actually win i just thought this was going to be a super low scoring game where the panthers would manage to cover that 13 point spread but apparently this is just rock bottom for the uh, for the bucks and i think it's start time to question on if they're going to be there come january uh, this offense was just terrible today 
if Brady tried to go deep, he'd have all day in the pocket, but just couldn't find anyone open. So most of these plays were just quick passes, screens. The run game didn't exist once again. And Brady just missed so many open throws. Like this is the most missed throws I've seen in a Brady game forever. Um, I know we aren't supposed to say this, but like it's Brady finally pushing the end. Like that's what I got. I got the vibes of backup quarterback from him this game with how many short passes he was completing and missed throws he had. It was, it was one of his ugliest games, definitely. They will be fine defensively, though. Like, they did give up a couple big plays, but they were out two of their top three corners starting a rookie fifth rounder out there. Um, and when you're on the field that much as a defense, you're just bound to make some mistakes eventually and give up a big play like that. Going to the Panthers, though, I thought they weren't going to win another game all season. Like, I thought 1-15 or 16, write it off, you know? But look at them. Like... Brian Burns looks like he wants the bag, either from the Panthers or wherever he's going to get traded to. Foreman and Hubbard, they made a really nice little thunder and lightning approach. Uh, Walker was distributing real nice. was making some big throws that he definitely didn't show in the last game. It was nice to see Moore look like a good receiver again, and they're starting to get their young receiver, Marshall, involved too. Um, the only one who really stood out as having a bad game, I felt, was Jackson, who got beat time and time by Evans and Godwin. And the Panthers are lucky that Brady didn't take more of an advantage of that. Like, that's what that's another reason why I feel like Brady might be like approaching the end. Is Evans and Godwin's played pretty good? They were getting open, especially against Jackson, and just nothing came again, came about it after that Evans drop. All right, moving on to the Falcons at the Bengals. Bengals winning thirty-five seventeen. Um, I was wrong. I thought the Falcons would be able to upset the Bengals here, but. Yeah, great game by the Bengals all around. Joe Burrow looks like he's fully back in his groove, perfectly diagnosing these zone coverages that the Falcons were running and placing the ball like right on the numbers of the receivers when they were manned up. Like He was just incredible this game. This is the type of performance from Burrow that we've been missing all year. And if they can get just like 90% of this version of Burrow for the rest of the year, this is going to be one of the best offenses week in, week out. Um, and their defense, they played great too. They held the Falcons to 107 yards on the ground, only one touchdown and 4.1 yards per attempt. This is one of the best rushing offenses in the league, and they effectively shut it down. Like, yeah, they still gave up over 100, but 4.1 yards per attempt, like, that's not bad. Uh, Hubbard looks great this year as a pass rusher opposite of Hendrickson, who we already know is good. Like, that's a, that's a pretty good one-two punch right there. And then their coverage is mostly good as long as they can hide Eli Apple. Uh, this Falcons team, though, they definitely need more weapons and options offensively. Not not even weapons yet, because they have a couple good ones in London and Pitts. They just are really a competent passing offense, and it's hard to win with such a little threat of airing it out. Obviously, they should do better next year when they get Ridley back. And I honestly think that could solve a bunch of their problems. But you also kind of hope that they're picking high enough to draft a competent quarterback who would be entering a pretty nice situation for all things considered. Then we have the Browns at the Ravens. Ravens winning 23 to 20. I picked the Ravens to win and cover, so they didn't quite cover, but they got the win. This, though, was a really weird game plan by the Ravens. Like, I said to myself that the key to beating the Browns would be the ground game. But I wasn't expecting 42 rushes to just 21 dropbacks. And then some of those dropbacks turn into scrambles and stuff. Um, like, I'm confused. Ward was out again. They just got Bateman back. They have Mark Andrews and Devin DuVernay. Um, they also signed Deshaun Jackson, but I don't think he played yet this game. Um, why not sling the ball around a bit more? Like, 
sure, they still won and that's good, but it probably would have felt a lot better for this offense, a lot less stressful if they were able to put a few more points on the board and they just like, like how do you go a full game targeting Mark Andrews twice at zero catches against JOK? Like, yeah, JOK is a good coverage linebacker, but Mark Andrews can beat him. Or Deion Jones was about back there for the Browns. I don't know. It's just, I think they should put the ball in Lamar's hands more and stop freaking rushing it 42 times a game. But they did play well on defense against the Browns, though. Uh, they contained Chubb for the most part until the fourth quarter, where he did start to run wild admittedly. And Humphrey and Peters played well most of the game, helped out by some pretty strong performances from the pass rushers, OA and Houston, and everyone else along that front line. For the Browns, they just couldn't really do enough offensively. Um, they kept putting the ball in Brissett's hands, and while he wasn't terrible, he wasn't amazing. And I felt like it would have made more sense for them to lean on the ground game more. Like Chubb, he only had 16 rushes. They were playing good defense, and like all around, Garrett, Clowney, right? They were leading the way in run D. Like I was really impressed with their rookie Alex Wright in run defense. And then Garrett's a menace in the freaking pass, as always. Um, the secondary was playing well for the most part without Ward. Like, as I said, the Ravens didn't really do much in the, um, through the air. Although Delpit definitely has had better games. I just think both of these teams kind of came in with weird plans. If they kind of flipped them, like, I'm very interested in how that would have played out. Like, what if the Browns ran the ball more, drained a bit more of the clock, didn't let the Ravens hold on to the ball more? And what if the Ravens took advantage of the fact that they should have been, like, the upper hand in the passing attack and tried to put up more points. Um, weird plans, but Ravens, you can't complain about what they did, I guess, because they came out on top. Then we have the Colts at the Titans. Titans winning 19-10. to um, I was wrong. I thought the Colts would be able to pull off the upset, but <laughs> is this really going to be Matt Ryan's last game? Like, he, was, he, he was bad this game. I, I don't know if there will be much of a difference when though an Ellinger um Ryan threw two ugly picks early on and since then this offense was practically ran like the back was in anyways they didn't try to push the ball downfield it was all quick throws check down screens and like Taylor what, what happened to him he was looking like one of the best backs in the league last year and then early on this year but they're just hardly even using him um 10 carries 58 yards like they are starting to feature Paris Campbell more. I do like that. And if they can tap into his speed, he could definitely be a good receiver for whatever next quarterback they are. But you got got to hope he stays healthy because that's been the problem throughout his career. Um, the Titans, they might be out their quarterback too. As Tannehill, he could barely put weight on his ankle after injuring it mid-game. Not that it really matters though, as Henry was practically the whole offense anyways. Hooper, he had his best game as a Titan though. Um, good to see for him, but... It felt like the only reliable way for the Titans to move the, offen the ball on offense this game was through Henry. The Titans' defense, though, looked great. Adams had a nice little career revival after not doing much these past few years. And Tampa, I remember he was a strong, like, he was an early starter for the Giants in his career. I want to say he was like a sixth or seventh round pick. Started, like, right away and then just fell off a cliff. Um, so good to see him kind of bounce back. McCreary, he made a couple of nice plays out there in coverage. And then Dupree and Simmons were incredible rushing the passer today. Then we have the Jets at the Broncos. The Jets winning 16-9. to um, Called that one correctly. Uh, the Jets covering winning. And apparently this Broncos offense can get worse. Um, 
Hopefully Wilson's injury isn't long because, man, ripping was terrible. Missing what felt like every other throw, targeting Sauce multiple times on fourth down while he's all over the receiver. Like, why the hell did they kept trying to throw jump balls to Sauce Gardner? Like, that's just stupid. Um, like, Wilson, Russell Wilson, he wasn't bad. Or he was bad. But at least he has a history of good play and... His bad play, I don't think, was nearly as bad as this Ripian game. Like, I think they might need to trade for a bad quarterback after this. I don't know, because if you can't trust Russ, I don't think you can trust Ripian at all either. Um, but honestly, Zach Wilson wasn't much better on the other side of the ball. He wasn't accurate a couple times, yes. But his main problem, I think, is he tries to play hero ball at every opportunity. Um, he makes his first read and then bails from the pocket at the whisper of pressure. He he's never like stands tall, navigates the pocket. He feels like a kid just playing mad and running around crazy in the backfield and is surprisingly good at avoiding sacks, but then gets like two yards on a scramble, throws it away, or throws it like inaccurately. Here, I actually want to find. But I saw a tweet. It's from Sam Sam Austin. Um one of the hosts of the PFF NFL podcast. And he tweeted out Zach Wilson splits from kept clean versus under pressure. So he has a 89.6 grade while under or while clean, 9.1 yards per attempt, 75.7 completion percentage, and 6.4 average depth of target. Versus when he's under pressure, his grade drops all the way to 23. So yards per attempt is 1.7. His completion percentage is 16.1. And his average depth of target is 12.7. Like, that's just unbelievable how drastic the split is between him when he's being pressured and not, like, he's got to learn how to play with that pressure and not just scramble around, take forever in the pocket, throw it away, throw. He has two interceptions on those pressured throws. Um can't be throwing to, like just giving the ball away because you got a bit of pressure on you, you know. Just ugly, ugly performance from him whenever he's under pressure. But that that tweet when I saw that, I was like, that makes so much sense because I watched Zach Wilson. I'm like, he does so many things right. He looks good until he tries to play hero ball, and that's literally what it is. If he learns how to not play hero ball, to work within more of the structure of the offense, even when he's under pressure. And yeah, like he can occasionally do that hero ball stuff once he's good at it. Like he's not good at it yet. That's the problem. Once he learns how to perform under pressure, then I think he can be an amazing quarterback because you see that like his stats are really good when he's clean, but just terrible when he's not. All right. Um, overall, though, I think the Jets are still a good team. I think their ground game will be fine. Obviously not as good without Hall, but it still should be above average, I think, with Carter and the recent addition of James Robinson. They have good receivers. Zach Wilson just needs to learn how to get them the ball more. And this line could be a lot better. Obviously, like Wilson's biggest problem is under pressure. And with all the injuries up front on their line, that's causing a lot more pressure than you'd like to get through. And then defensively, this looks more like a solid lead unit. Sauce is playing like an all-pro already. DJ Reed isn't far behind him. Mosley, Quan, and Williams are a great linebacker trio. And these safeties are average, but buoyed by a good scheme and good players all around them. And then this pass rush is just really, really coming alive. 
Uh, Quinnen Williams is playing like a top five defensive tackle. The rest of this line rotates around, gets a couple pressures each. Like it just all works so perfectly. Um, I do want to see more from Lawson. And then hopefully when first round uh, Jermaine Johnson, the rookie out of Florida State, when he comes back, hopefully he can provide more of a spark too. But overall, I love the direction of the squad. All right, then we have the Texans at the Raiders. Um, Raiders winning 38-20. to 20. I picked the Raiders to win, but I did think the Texans would get like a sneaky backdoor cover or something. But nope, the Raiders pulled away. Good for them. Let's go. Uh, is Josh Jacobs the top back in the league right now? Like, he's playing like it. Um, either him or Saquon. Josh got another 143 and three touchdowns. That's just, wow, I did not expect this out of him. I thought he was like... The thing with Josh Jacobs is he doesn't have that breakaway speed. So whenever you watch him, like... There is something like you see it and you're like, wow, like that's he's doing things right. He's making guys miss every like almost every single carry. He makes someone miss, makes the first guy and gets a couple extra yards. But he doesn't until this year. He wasn't really breaking out big runs and he still doesn't have like any huge, huge runs this season. And just consistently getting like 12 yards. Um, but yeah, that's obviously really good to be able to consistently do. Um, I think this season... I thought going into the season that the passing attack would really carry this offense, but this offensive line is honestly blocking really good for Josh Jacobs, and he's taking advantage of it. And when they do need to pass it, Carr, Carr was freaking great this game. 21 for 27 with a touchdown, no picks. It's a really, really well-balanced offense that's coming alive, and I got two and four. They're far from dead in the AFC. The Raiders' defense, though, like still definitely has some concerns. Um, A-Red looked bad in a replacement of Nate Hobbs, who was the only good cornerback on this team, it felt like. Um, he was just routinely getting beat by Cooks and Collins until Collins left with the injury, and then they were able just to put um, Yassin on Cooks for most of the rest of the game. And then they were getting gassed by Damian Pierce and the Texans early on until they really bottled him up late. But, yeah, they just traded away one of their best run-stuffing no uh, defensive tackles too and Jonathan Hankins sending him over to the Cowboys so hopefully they have like they have a couple rookies who I guess they think they're ready to step it up or maybe they're got someone like in the works for a trade or something I, I don't know what's going on there but they definitely need help in run defense and trading away Hankins is not going to help I think um for the Texans like yeah this is kind of what I expected them to be they were in it they were in this game until late and then the Raiders pulled away with a touchdown and a pick six. Um, I didn't expect the Raiders to pull away this much, but the Texans like are a well-coached but not talented team. Like That's just what's going to happen. And I was early on, but you got to start thinking about the future with this team, and it could be bright. Cooks and Collins looks like a pretty good duo. Um, Jordan, the tight end, he got some going this game. Pierce is already a star, and their offensive line did pretty well for the most part against a good Raiders pass rush. Stingley, he looked good out there. He matched well with Adams. Like, Adams, yeah, he's going to get his. He's a top three receiver in the league. But for rookie, Stingley played really well. And then plug in a good quarterback, a couple more pieces on defense, and, like, a true number one type pass rusher. And I could see this team being good in, like, a year or two. Then we have the Chiefs at the Niners. Uh, Chiefs winning 44-23. to And, yeah, I picked the Chiefs to cover and win. Uh, they're they're going to be just fine, like... I don't even know what to say at this point. This offense is just unbelievable. 
Mahomes was near perfect after the early pick. Juju and Hardman had their best games at the Chiefs. MVS also had his best game. Kelsey went crazy. And Pacheco, he did good in his limited touches with 5.8 yards per attempt. And honestly, I think the Niners are going to be fine too for the most part after this game. Like, I'm not as confident in them as I am with like the Chiefs or some other teams, but I still view them pretty similarly as I did before this game. McCaffrey looked great. He should be a difference maker once he's worked in. Like, he... <laughs> took his first couple runs and like just made everyone miss on them. Um, Kittle had a good game. Ayuk is becoming a real weapon. They do need to figure out how to get Debo involved a bit more though. Like he's one of your best players and he's hardly getting touches right now, but I think their offense should be fine with the way they want to play, but the defense does have to play better than this. If they want to beat some of their best teams, um, like the way the Niners are built to win right now are off the backs of a strong defense, but they hardly got any pressure all game. Bosa was the only one with a sack, and they had their worst game in coverage. Um, Gibson, Mooney Ward, Jimmy Ward, Lenore, they all gave up some big plays. They've been good all year, so hopefully this was just kind of like the Chiefs being the Chiefs, and they can self-correct, but it was a pretty ugly performance by one of the league's best defenses. So then we have the Seahawks at the Chargers. Um, I picked the Seahawks to cover and win in the upset, and yeah, that's what happened, 37-23. Great team win by the Seahawks. Both sides of the ball really excelled. Gino was a bit looser with the ball than normal with two turnovers, but overall he still played pretty great despite DK going down early. Goodwin, he showed that he still has his elite speed and can be a dangerous weapon for the Seahawks, and they took advantage of that. Um, and everyone on this team is bought into run blocking, like wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line. The thing that really showed how bought into this team everyone is for me is the Seahawks when they're up 14, less than two minutes ago. And instead of handing the ball off and just like doing nothing, most quarterbacks, you know, like do the oh, like roll out and just like stand in the back and watch the play. Gino hands it off and then instantly looks for someone in a cutback lane to hit just in just in case DJ Dallas gets stuffed up the middle. And that's what happened. Dallas got clogged um, and he bounced it outside and Gino was right there leading the way for him to run for the first. Like, I don't think that was the design of the play. I think Gino just maybe Gino was coached to go in and clear out the cutback lane but like yeah this the run wasn't supposed to go following gino and it ended up doing it and gino you could tell like wanted to get that first even though they're up 14 less than two minutes to go like the game's practically over and they're still like pushing and really playing hard for each other that's the buy-in in a team that believes in themselves that has a quarterback who's a true leader and really believes that they can win a super bowl this year like i'm I don't believe that they could win a Super Bowl this year, but the fact that they're so confident playing this way, playing this hard for each other, like it's really good things to see from what many thought was going to be a terrible year for the Seahawks. Defensively, they played great too. Um, they had a pick and a strip sack on Herbert. I thought Neil, who had the pick, he had his best game as a Seahawk, at least like this year, definitely. He was just everywhere in coverage. Taylor's strip sack and recovery was just perfectly executed, like being a beauty the way he just stripped it out and instantly like it bounced right into his hands perfectly. Um, and then the young guys in the secondary, Woolen, Brian, Jackson, like this is a good corner duo, like with trio. Um, and they're all in, like Bryant and Woolen are both rookies and Jackson is in like second or third year. Um, however, I do think that Brooks and Barton, the linebackers, they were pretty bad this game, picked apart and laid in holes covering for run defense. For the Chargers, they just need more offensive weapons. And that's definitely 
a lot of the part due to the injuries that they have. Allen couldn't make it through this game fully. Palmer is out. Guyton, he's on the IR, their speed threat. And Parham was out. Um, Williams, he went out in the middle of the game too. And he's only that guy anyways, like every two to three games, you know. It felt like every throw this game was either a check down to Eckler or just something really quick to some random receiver you'd never heard of. Um, and with Herbert as your quarterback, that's just unacceptable. They need to get some speed, some threat at wide receiver. Go out on the trade block, get someone like Chase Claypool, DJ Moore. DJ Moore is probably too expensive, but you know what I'm saying. Like, like they need more weapons. And if the guys are injured, then find someone who's not, you know. But like the Chargers could just be so much better if they just spread the field and took advantage of the fact that they have a monster at quarterback instead of throwing these dink and dunk rounds all day. Right, then we have the Steelers at the Dolphins. Dolphins winning 16 to 10, but the Steelers were able to cover that. Um, I picked the Dolphins to win and cover, so almost there. Uh, I'm shocked by the Dolphins offense. It came out firing all cylinders, looking absolutely unstoppable, and then it stopped. Big credit to the Steelers secondary, which stopped allowing all those little underneath routes that um, brought to Hill and Waddle. Like they challenged the to uh, to make tough throws and to couldn't, frankly. He had like four or five passes that should have been picked off and just looked off all night following that first drive. This is his first game back after those concussions, so I am going to give him a bit of slack on his end. Uh, we'll see how he looks again next week, but this was not a good game for him, and he was the reason why this game was so close. On the other side, though, Pittsburgh's young quarterback didn't look too hot either. He threw three more picks this game, bringing his season total to seven. You could definitely argue that the first one wasn't his fault, though, as Claypool did fall over, but... Not the best though, anyways. Like that was a risky throw. Um, Claypool was just blanketed. The second one, he didn't see Holland lurking, and the ball just came out slow. Holland was able to undercut it instantly, and easy pick for him. And the last one was like a desperation heave into the end zone, but it was like second and twenty, or second down, twentyish seconds left. Um, he definitely could have lived to see another day, throw it away, you know. Speaking of that last pick, though, Igbenogany, the one who came down with the pick, is having a nice season for the Dolphins. The former first-round pick struggled to see the field, um, and he's still not perfect. He gave up the touchdown this game, albeit it was like almost unguardable back shoulder, just perfectly executed by the Steelers. And he gave up a couple more catches. He had an illegal contact. But for the most part, he held his own, and I think it's really good to see him kind of bounce back after having a really quiet and questioned start to his career he mostly gave up or he mostly went against Deontay Johnson one of the league's best route runners and wasn't giving him much space to work with so just kind of like something to keep your eye on like he was written off here but a few years left on his rookie deal he might finally be primed to break out they went the Bears at the Patriots Bears just crushing the Patriots, 33-14. to 14. I did not see that at all. I had the Patriots covering and winning. Um, what the heck was that, Patriots? Mac Jones, he looked ugly early on and then got picked, or, yeah, got benched after throwing a pick on his third drive. Then Zappi comes in, just lights the world absolutely on fire, throwing a big touchdown, a pretty big underthrow um, to Myers, and then another like touchdown drive where he had a nice jump ball to Parker. But after that, this offense just went to bed a um, bunch of check downs. If you take out those two early throws, which like obviously you can't, 
because he did complete it, so you don't want to discredit him. Although, like, the Myers one, I can't stress this enough, how badly it was underthrown. Like, it almost wasn't a touchdown because it was such a bad throw. Myers was able to track it and get in. Um, but the rest of the game, Zappi was 12 for 20 with 112 yards and two picks. Like, I get Jones was pretty rough early on, but he has a stronger arm, is the better athlete, and did lead the team to the playoffs last year as a rookie. I think it's way too early to turn the keys to Zappi, and he really showed that this game, so I, I hope they go back to Mac. But now let's talk about the Bears. They killed it this game. Their defense was all over the place. Their two rookies um, with a pick each. Smith was everywhere against the run, and the Pages, they only had 70 yards rushing. Um, Gibson, Quinn, Robinson, they all had some pretty big impact plays rushing the passer. And then on offense, they definitely had their best day. Um, it was mostly because of their offensive line. They were creating space for this ground game, which had 243 yards and two touchdowns. And they gave Fields plenty of time to read the defense and find open receivers. Like, Fields got us, he's got to speed up that processor because he's not always going to have this much time. But it's good that he did have this time and was able to go through his reads and so hopefully next thing he's going to be able to do this a bit faster because he's like okay this is how i do it in the game setting and although like it wasn't a realistic game setting in most of the time because this bears offensive line isn't going to give him five seconds to throw the ball um it's definitely a performance to build off of and gives me a lot of hope for his future as the bears quarterback like i thought the bears were just gonna run him into the ground and then discard him for the next quarterback but if he plays like this, like they also, the Bears were getting him involved in the designed run game too. Like this, was, this game finally made me feel like they had a plan for Justin Fields and want him as their quarterback. Uh, overall, for this week, then that's going to put me at eight and six straight up and six and eight against the spread. Uh, Got to get those ex against the spread numbers up. Like that's every week, man. Uh, overall, 57, 50 and one straight up and then 44, 62 and two against the spread. Um, but now time to preview the Ravens at the Buccaneers Thursday night matchup. Ravens are one and a half point favorites. The Buccaneers are in shambles right now, and I don't think they're going to be able to fix themselves against the Ravens. The Bucs need a get right game and like the Ravens defense, I think is too good. Like the Bucs need to go against the freaking Lions or a bad defense like that. So they can get their mojo back. And they had a chance last week. Like the Panthers aren't a good defense. But just one drop by Mike Evans took all the air out of this team, and that's very, very concerning. The Bucks still do have a good defense, though. However, they have so many injuries in their secondary, like Davis and Murphy Bunting missed last week, and now Winfield, he has a concussion. He might miss this week, too. Um, I don't know how willing the Ravens are going to be to take advantage of this, though. Last week against the Browns, they almost passed it, like, or they hardly passed it at all. Um... But with the addition to Sean Jackson and then this being Bateman's now second game back from injuries, hopefully they air it out a bit more. And uh, I'm going to pick the Ravens to cover and win. I don't know if they will air it out a bit more. I just really don't trust this Buccaneers offense right now. All right, so that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, if you're on YouTube, leave a comment. Let me know what um, how your picks went with this week. What was your most surprising game? And yeah, leave a like, subscribe. If you're on Apple, Spotify, wherever else you might be listening to this, leave a five-star review. Go tell your friends and see you all next week.